The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. All of us at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We would also like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first few people to fill out the survey, we'll give you something for your time. We would like you to complete a short survey for us to help make things better around here. Just go to listeningsurvey.com and everything will be right there for you. That's listeningsurvey.com. The first 125 people to go and complete this survey will get a $10 gift certificate to restaurant.com. And there is a chance to win an additional $100 Amazon gift card. Filling out the survey will really help us out. Go to listeningsurvey.com and thanks for listening. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right, college football week 12 with my wise guy roundtable to my left. All the college knowledge with a big smile on his face. Brad Powers, Steve Fezzik makes his return, and Ken Thompson. It's getting a little chilly. We don't see the pipes. A lot of people are speculating. Maybe Ken's not working out. That's why he's covering up. He saw Fez put up his 200. 205. 205. And... I'm not saying any of that's the case. What I am saying for sure, we've got a lot of good stuff here. Ken's best bet, also like from Brad and liked from Fest. So a triple like with a best bet chaser, four best bets in total, including Dave Esler. But for me, it was kind of a sad Saturday. You know, there's a lot of ways to think about it. What did that Texas, Texas Tech game close? Uh, about two, two and a half. So two. Two, yeah. And you gave me how many points? Two. And you gave me plus 110? Yep. So I was like the bookie. Mm-hmm. I was like the bookie. And to me, if I got Dave Esler on my side and I'm like the bookie, I'm feeling pretty good. Because Dave's a winner long term. I only got to win 48 or 47.6% of the time. But as you can hear from the music, let that cue you in. Brad won. (laughs) And I'm not happy. I can't lie. Let's get to our weekly recap. Full transparency. Hi, I'm Brad Powers. Last week, I went 3-0, up $900 for the year, up $1,370. Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I took the week off last week. Year to date, I'm 12, 11, and 2, down $650. I'm Ken Thompson. I went 0-2. Had a great week, but not the games that I put on money here on the uh, podcast. So I was minus 400 for the year, still a plus 180. I've said enough about the horrible... Oh and one last week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Let's uh you know, I, I'm feeling a little backed up against the wall here when it comes to Brad. So I'm I'm gonna look to ju- even if I'm like forty nine percent bets, I just want to roll the dice and make him hurt. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, is uh, you could say that's wrong, 
I'm just saying it's the way I am. You can judge me, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Showtime! Woo! Indiana, Michigan. Michigan favored by 28 points. Fez, you like Michigan. I do. The simplistic handicap here, RJ, is that, oh, Michigan's got Ohio State up next. They're going to be flat. But I think a deeper handicap is that, one, what do we know about Michigan? Harbaugh is a bully. He just loves to run it up. So I'm not nearly as worried about this flat spot as I would be with a more, let's say, sympathetic coach to his lesser conference opponents. And let's look at Indiana. They're 5-5 five and five. now. They need one win to become bowl eligible. They have a winnable game next week. This is not a winnable game. They just stole a game where they got outgained by almost 200 yards. So slow down. You're saying they, they, they a bunch. Stole a game. I mean, Indiana, slow down. Slow down. Indiana was 4-5. and five, And they just played a game against Maryland. Indiana was completely outplayed. But they got a miraculous win. Undeserved, many would say. So now they're 5-5. Five and five. So the Hoosiers... And is this Indiana's last game? Indiana has two games left. They got to win one to become bowl eligible. And what's their final game? The final game will be a competitive game. This game is Purdue, their rival. Yeah. Okay. So what's your gut feeling on the line on that, Brad? Purdue against Purdue? Purdue will be a slight road favorite, probably around three to four points. All right. So there's two ways to look at this. I agree with you, Faz, the idea that the win by Indiana that makes it viable for them to get into the bowl is invigorating. My question is, do they potentially look ahead? Meaning we're not going to beat Michigan. Thus, maybe we don't really fight all that hard. Maybe some guys that are injured and and borderline could play. Let's save them. Exactly. Those are my thoughts. That's why I Uh, like Michigan. Okay, so that's what you're saying. You're saying the fact that they got to win one or two, they pretty much know they're not going to win this one. And that lands me on the favorite. Yes. Ooh, now that's interesting. The idea that they got to win one or two, Indiana, but since this one's almost impossible, they're going to save up something. Who knows? Maybe it's just psychological. Who cares? Not going to show any trick plays. Not going to show any new formation. But I think it's more if they're down 31-3 with eight minutes left, how hard are they fighting? And they might, well, even take out their quarterback and save their players knowing it's next week's game that will define whether their season is a success or a failure. Now, Brad and Ken lean Indiana. Ken, why don't we start with you? Yeah, reason being is first off, Michigan has Chris Evans back in the backfield. So now you have Higdon, Wilson, and Evans. So they're going to run the ball a lot. It's what Michigan does, what they do at home. They're going to work the line of scrimmage. And therefore, the clock's going to continue to run. Look, Michigan's happy winning this game by 27 or less. I just think it's too many points to give a team that can score, has a quarterback that's a dual threat in Peyton Ramsey. Fez makes a good point. I mean, there's no question that they could rest a couple guys. In fact, two of their better linebackers, Raekwon Jones and T.D. Roof, are both questionable for this game, and they're two of their leading tacklers. So maybe you do rest them here and look towards the Purdue game. But the one thing Michigan hasn't faced is a team that throws the ball over the top a lot. They face a lot of boring Big Ten offenses. And so here, I think Indiana may be able to get a couple touchdowns. You give me two touchdowns for the entire game, one each half, I'm figuring Indiana's going to cover that number. Right. I lean with Indiana, but everything that has just been discussed over the last couple of minutes has me more liking towards the under because I got questionable motivation, at least in my opinion. 53 and a half. 53 and a half. If Michigan is going to be looking slightly peaking towards next week's game against Ohio State, are you going to show anything new this week? No, you don't have to. You're a four touchdown favorite over Indiana. On the flip side, and I think the correct handicap here is, you know, Indiana, what's their motivation? If they get down early, 
I think they're waving the white flag, looking more towards that competitive game against Purdue. While I slightly lean with Indiana, I like the under more here. More I think about it, I'm not sure Indiana matters here. Meaning, this could be like, keep it within 28, your bowl game. And if Michigan wants to cover this, they can. Mm -hmm. So, more, what makes you think that Michigan isn't going to just try to get out of this game. It's back to the whole pace versus efficiency. I think Michigan is going to be efficient, but it feels like if, if if they're up 27 to three or 28, three, they're going to be flattening that ball out about as much as possible. Harbaugh history. I just have seen him game after game, run up the score. He likes to get margin. The only thing that concerns me, RJ is Michigan went into Rutgers last week. They didn't have one sack. I mean, there's teams that are mediocre that had four or five sacks on Rutgers. That's just concerning to me as I go forward. So maybe Michigan's look, maybe they didn't even take, you know, take that game seriously at all. And it, it was a sluggish start by them and they end up winning and uh, coming just short of far, as far as covering. But to not get a sack against Rutgers, that's absolutely ridiculous. Brad, what's the look ahead right now for next week's Ohio State game? So Michigan is a three and a half point favorite at Ohio State. That'd be the first time Michigan be favored in Columbus since 2004. Mm, mm. I lean towards Ohio State. I just want to say one thing because we, we use this narrative a lot. You know, Harbaugh likes to run it up. I just looked. Uh, since Harbaugh took over Michigan, they've been a three touchdown or more favorite 16 times, six and 10 against the spread. That that doesn't necessarily say he run, likes to run it up. Well, I don't think he had a quarterback, so he was unable to run it up and get any margin in these Here, games. Here's what I saw last week. Michigan really flattened out that ball. They they got up 42 to seven against Rutgers, didn't score a single point in the last 12, 13 minutes of that game. Next game. So we have Fez likes Michigan minus 28 taping Tuesday pregame.com offices. Clemson, Duke, Clemson favored by the same 28. We have Fez with a total. Ken likes Duke. Let's start there. All right, let's start with Daniel Brown. Pretty solid quarterback. Uh, Threw for 361, three touchdowns last week, but he rushed for 186 yards and a touchdown himself against North Carolina. Pretty impressive. What's concerning, if you like Duke, as far as to cover this number, is two of their better defensive players. One is out for sure in Dylan Singleton. The other one, their leading tackler, Joe Giles Harris, he's questionable with a knee injury, so a little concerning there. But Clemson, another team, really seems to play better on the road sometimes. They, remember the game against Syracuse in Death Valley. They're fortunate they came away with a W there. Their offense was clicking big time up until last week. Struggled against Boston College as far as not the yardage and their defense was outstanding holding BC to just 113 total yards and eight first downs. But their offense really didn't do much on that defense and only put up 27 points. Are they good enough to cover this number? There's no doubt about it. But they too like to run the ball, establish the run. Coming off a game where they did not run it well against BC, I think they get Etienne and Choice back into the offense. Again, keep the clock going. Duke is one of those teams, like in Indiana, that can go up over the top and can score points. They may lose 40-14 to 14 or 40-24, to 24, somewhere in that neighborhood, but they're good enough to get a backdoor cover, and that's why I like Duke in the game. Brad, I was thinking a lot about this Clemson game. So we talked about it a bunch on Straight Out of Vegas, our Fox National weekday show, 6 Eastern. Three Pacific, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yes, and Friday. You can listen on Sirius 217. I know most of you that have Sirius don't get the 200s. It's pretty rare, but if you do, it's on 217. Also, iHeartRadio app straight out of Vegas. And the line was 20. 
Yep. And then Boston College, a team that was, what, 17 in the AP poll, if I remember? Yep. And you thought they were like 26 in mm -hmm. yours. So we said, oh, way overrated. But Clemson, that number 20 is big. And BC had covered a bunch recently, like 16 and three, if yep. I remember. remember. Great memory. A little bit of this. And then the wind started blowing. And we thought, oh, wow, the total dropped like four points. Ended up dropping eight. Eight in total. Yep. Wow. And, but the, the, at the time, the line had only dropped from 20 to 19 and a half. Yep. It fell 20. What did it close at? About 17 and a half. So it kept going and going. Yep. But here's the thing dig a little deeper. The quarterback out mm. the first series for BC. Mm -hmm. And then the backup had less than like 70 yards. There, I think 59 yards or something the rest of the game. And it really dawned on me one, an interesting game. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. But number two, I have a new concept I want to hit you guys with. And when we have a new con, what I really strive to do is how do we, you know, there's like a hundred handicapping concepts that we keep going back to one way or the other. Let's describe them. Let's put a word, you know, dream crusher. We got all these different names. I don't know the name yet, but this is new. Something like, <laughs> I was thinking of something funny. I could say it had nothing to do with it, but I fell short. Something like intention means the most, which is horrible. But let me explain what I mean. Clemson wasn't trying to score in this game. From what I read about the game, it was like, you can't score. Like it was established mm -hmm. that they come second half. You can't score Boston College. We're up enough that we could just kneel out from here and win this game. We don't have any, we don't need margin. We don't. And if you just looked at the score, you would say, oh, BC almost covered the spread, right? The closing, and it covered the opener. But in truth, there's no way you can upgrade BC. You, and again, I know with the quarterbacks, yep. but I guess what I'm saying is there's no way you could downgrade Clemson. Maybe that's the way to think about it. If you said, wait, they're playing against their second string quarterback. And they still just barely cover. Wow. Clemson underperformed and they only put up that many points. No, it, it seems like if, if you were to told Clemson, you got to win by 45 in order to make the playoffs. I think they would have been at least 50, 50 to win by 45. And thus, as much as we love to look at stats and numbers, there's no algorithm that can properly calculate what, Clemson's intention was. And there's something about that word intention. And I don't think there's many games. The intention is other than winning and winning by as much as you can until it gets into extreme blowout. This is one of those games. And I don't know how you star it in the database, but you got to. That's a great point. I agree a thousand percent because if Brown is still playing, you're right. There's that fear. Hey, this guy's done it before and it's a good one-two combo with Brown and Dylan. So they can score with the backup quarterback. You're right. They knew they're not going to score unless this kid pulls off some Clint Longley miracle, which wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I, I think that's a very powerful point. And as far as what I do with Clemson's uh, powering, didn't touch it. Because really, the box score and the eye test says, hey, Clemson can name their score here. If they want to win by, like RJ said, 40 points, they can. They ne don't necessarily want to. Why? Well, the weather was a factor. Hey, it's 30 degrees outside. I got a southern team. Wind's whipping around. Let's just run the football, play defense, get the hell out of here, uh, and go home with the, the win. And that's what I saw. I didn't touch Clemson's power rating at all. I wasn't less than impressed with the Tigers. Awesome. So this game. 
On this particular game, I'm going to lean with Duke plus the points here. And again, I think Clemson did what they had to do for that four or five game stretch where Clemson just killed everyone by 50 plus points per game. I don't think Clemson has to do that anymore. They proved that they have separated themselves outside of Alabama from the rest of the country. Now it's just about getting to the college football playoffs. So they don't necessarily need margin here. And in addition to that, because Clemson has covered five straight games, you're starting to pay a little bit of a premium on the Tigers. I think there's some slight value with Duke. Lean Duke here. But you won't play it. Because you don't want to bet against Clemson. <laughs> yeah, because if they want to win by 40 in this case, they can do it. And there's a significant matchup edge in their favor, and it comes with running the football. Clemson averaging nearly seven yards per carry this season. Duke, a banged-up defense like Ken Thompson mentioned. Last three games, Duke's defense allowing more than eight yards per rush. That's scary. It could be a lot of big plays for that Clemson offense. And quickly, you like the over also. I do like the yeah, over. Actually, Fez likes it too. Why don't you start and then you can cap? Yep. Yeah, I like the over. It's an overreaction to that low-scoring Clemson game last week. And you guys, I think, did a great job summarizing what happened. The BC's quarterback gets knocked out. Clemson Southern team, blustery conditions up north. They go through the motions and basically grind out a win where the final score doesn't even reach 40 points. And thus, when they went to set this total, instead of setting it in the low 60s, they said, whoa, wait a minute. They bet this under down nine points last week. We got to go lower. We got to set it in the high 50s. But that was a weather-related move. And then on the field, it was a quarterback injury as well. I like it. And over with value at 57 and a half this game. Now, let me ask you this question, because we've been talking about this a lot amongst ourselves, which is directional, being right directionally, but being wrong with scale. Meaning, okay, directionally, the public probably is going to think, oh, Clemson didn't score as much. And, and if anything, this is both the weather and their intention of not needing to, not wanting or needing to run it up last week because they knew BC couldn't. In a weird way, it's hard to blame teams from running it up if the other team has a really good offense because you never know they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen games. I mean, it's rare, but we've seen games. The team's down 28-3. Look at the Falcons in the Super Bowl. You could have said, why are they running it up? If they ran a trick play, let's say when they were at their max margin, but oh, if they had done that, maybe they end up winning the Super Bowl. The Bahamas Bowl. What was that? 35-point margin in the fourth quarter and wound yep. up decided by one point. But if you the, if the other team's not going to score, you don't need margin, right? And it, it and again, not that they just if they were up by four, they would have been okay. But multiple scores, they were pretty good. I mean, what at at halftime of that game, if I said, what money line would you have needed to bat Boston College oh. to win the game? Oh wow, at least fifty to one. But a lot more than a typical twenty point favor. Yeah. Meaning that watching the game, it was obvious it was going to be a struggle. I wonder, do you remember what the halftime line was? Does I, any, I don't remember the halftime score. Yeah, no. and it was like 17, Seven. nothing. 17, 17, 17, 17, 17. Yeah. I don't know. I but you wouldn't have did 50 to one at 17, 7, would you, Brad? I would have probably taken a little dab on a little sprinkle on that. So, but here's my question. How do we know what this number should be? Meaning maybe you're right directionally that the public's being a little bit by or it's, it's got the, circumstances to be biased towards the or or thinking this number let's think of how i want to say this the bias would be oh let's make this number lower because they didn't score a lot not considering the factors in the bc game that led to the low scoring with clemson right yes and the The win the win and the injury and the further factor and i used to do this when i was a consultant for you know with the odds maker whenever we saw a team get bombed 
over or under, we put a big red or a green pen and said, boy, the betters really came in on that Clemson game under last week. Let's be careful this week. But what I'm saying is if if this total, the theory is you're saying, oh, well, the total should be something other than it is. But what is, you have power rankings, and that's why you like the over. You have power rankings for the sides, especially in the NFL. You don't have power rankings yourself for college totals. Brad, you like the over also. What are you, is it directionally based on the bias that we think is going to be built on with Fez? And if so, how do we know what this number should be? How do we know hmm. that's, that is being considered? Well, to a certain extent it is, but I also, I mean, to me, it's How more, do we know that? Hmm. That's a good call. I mean, how do, you, how do you set your numbers for totals? Uh, some of it's, you know, most of it's mathematically. And then uh, so the other part what, is just matchup wise. What's the math say this number should be? Math says this should be right around like 59 and a half. Okay. So under that theory, then the fact is 57 and a half is potentially the bias the Fez is talking about. Could be. It's making it lower, giving value on the over. Yep. All right. So what, any other reason you like the over? Well, on the flip side, I think Duke has a legitimate quarterback. I mean, when I say legitimate, I mean, two years from now, when we're talking NFL draft, we're talking top five, top 10 possible pick in Daniel Jones and get to know the name guy, six foot five mobile, had nearly 200 yards rushing is getting coached by a really good guy in David Cutcliffe that coached both Manning brothers in college. I really like the quarterback for uh, Duke and Clemson. Has given that defense has given up passing yards a couple games. Syracuse game gave up some points and gave up nearly 500 yards against Texas A&M earlier in the year. Uh, I think Duke can move the football in this Clemson defense. RJ, nope. also the weather always comes into play. It's going to be perfect weather there in South Carolina. Ken likes Duke plus 20, and, and that's advantage Duke. Well, no, as far oh, as his totals over, yeah. How do you think that affects the the side? It's great because Duke likes to throw the football. Yeah, that's what I was hearing. Yeah. Okay, Duke plus 28, like Ken Thompson. Fez over like over 57 and a half. Brad leans over. Brad leans Duke. Next game, we got Missouri favored by six on the road at Tennessee. Fezzik with another coming strong. Wow, I love it. You like it. Yeah, I like Tennessee here plus the six. Home momentum situation for a volunteer team that many felt were going to struggle all year long. Big upset win against Kentucky. So now the feeling is, whoa, might there be a little letdown if they're going on the road? We've discussed this. Oftentimes you get a letdown. But at home, here's a team that's 5-5 five and five and suddenly is one game away from bowl eligibility. And frankly, Tennessee knew they weren't exactly going to go 10-2 and two this year. If they can get bowl eligible, this is a very, very successful year. And they're staring at 7-5 and five potentially. This is a big game that I expect them to be sky high for. Yeah, and let's put it in perspective. That might not sound like much for Tennessee, but the expectations weren't high for Tennessee this season. Season win total was only five, five and a half. So they were, you know, according to Vegas, not expect to get the bowl game. So Tennessee has overachieved. I lean with the volunteers as well. And obviously, so why not like it? Why not like it? Because if you want to, let's just talk value. Uh, do you want to, you know, take six against Kentucky, a slow paced team that fit right into Tennessee's wheelhouse last week, which we did. We like Kentucky, gave it on straight on a Vegas. And that game show. was where? That was in Tennessee. Okay. Or are you going to so, take. So, so it's apples to apples. Apples to apples. Or are you going to take six against a Missouri team that I think is more higher variance, higher scoring? You can have a great play here and boom, bang, Missouri get a couple of touchdowns and you got a losing ticket. I, I Missouri so that, is better so I, than Kentucky. Okay. 
So, so under that theory, then, so Missouri's better than Kentucky. So taking six from Kentucky makes sense. Taking six from Missouri doesn't. But you got to upgrade Tennessee off of I did. winning the game. Okay. Next question. I know you just, Fez just put up 200 pounds. Are you doing like squat thrust right now or what are you doing? You know, they say doing like a little exercise while you're sitting in the yeah, office. Pro- probably not when cameras are on. Yeah, and, probably yeah. a very bad move. So. <laughs> He's doing isometrics <laughs> under the table. <laughs> uh, we got to do it. <laughs> What's funny is Mackie's doing squat thrust in the control room, that like uh, to the song, <laughs> emulating basic. <laughs> uh, but you said high variance from Missouri. So if you like Tennessee, do you look at the money line figuring? Yeah, yep, I do. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So Faz, you like them. You lean Tennessee. You're the other way with a lean, Kent. Yeah, I'm leaning Missouri. And the reason is Missouri protects their quarterback pretty well. Drew Locke's only been sacked 12 times. Tennessee, what they do to win their games is they rely on that defense. They get pressure on the quarterback. Here's a uh, Missouri team that, you know, took out Florida, team that's got a good, solid defense, a team that finally got over the hump, finally found a way to win some SEC games. So they're going to have some confidence going in. I think Odom's done a nice job. And it's not just Missouri throwing the ball around. I mean, they ran it 42 times last week. They threw it 33. So, you know, Crockett and Roundtree, these two guys rushed for 214 yards last week in their win. I like the way Missouri's playing right now. Couple wins in a row. I think they can get the W. But again, I'll respect the way that Pruitt's got Tennessee going and the game's in Knoxville. And again, they're looking to be bowl eligible. So it's a game that I lean Missouri just because their offense is more diverse and I trust them to put more points up than Tennessee, but I could see the volunteers maybe taking care of business as well. So again, it's just a lean. So Brad, I want to bring this up on straight out of Vegas, but we can dig even deeper here, longer form. How do we consider the bowls? Because I've heard again and again now, team needs to win two or two, one or two. Give us the general 75 second overview of how you consider bowl eligibility. Mm, it's uh, kind of a case by case basis, but routine. <laughs> okay, then. Well, yeah. I mean, no. Well, you no, got, I mean, if gotta, well, hold on. There's got to be conceptual logic. Not saying there's not exceptions, but let's start. Maybe let's start with what seems obvious to me. Seems like an increase of motivation. Yes. For right. most teams. Yep. Is, does the more, is there a team that will say, I don't care? I mean, other than like a, team that was supposed to win 10 games or something. SC. USC's not, five and five. Yeah. That's not them beating UCLA this week isn't factoring in my handicap to get the bowl eligibility. Okay. So other than a, a, a super pedigreed program that's fallen on hard times, and I mean recent, like Tennessee's pedigreed, but the, I think they're going to be more hyped. Like, let's get back to where we belong kind mm. of thing, especially considering the bowl wasn't expected. If I would have said coming in the year, odds Tennessee makes a bowl. What do you give me? 40%. Yeah. So yeah. Th- this is them. Exceed- and once they, didn't they start really slow? They did start slow. At, at their low point, what were the ball odds? Ooh, probably 30% chance. I think they oh, were less than that. Yeah. yeah. That's were they? Thinking. Definitely less than what were they? One and four and they were getting embarrassed. So yeah. You, yeah, you would let me lay 200. Oh uh, no, I guess. Not. <laughs> All right. So I, I hear you. So let's kind of put the first caveat, a program that was supposed to win a ton that doesn't don't maybe doesn't care about that bad bowl game in December 22nd, right? A program that's really pedigreed like USC that's having a first or even second down year, maybe not so much. Otherwise, motivation. Question is, does the market properly account for it? 
Not always. No, I don't think so. When doesn't it? Mm. I think it does for the final week. I don't think a lot of them are thinking it uh, for this week. I think next week, when you're sitting there with the final game on the regular season, that's when it starts getting maybe that, and sometimes overpriced. That was good. I mean, it took. I mean, I was digging. <laughs> yeah, you are. But check out the big brain on Brad. That's why he's here, Brad Powers. All right, we ready for the next game? Yep. Central Florida, seven and a half reduced juice, hosting Cincinnati. Brad, you like a total. Fez likes the side. Uh oh. Crossfire time. Yeah. Crossfire time. I love it. Auto bat. And we've got Dave Essler to be the tiebreaker. Fez, we start with you. Like Cincinnati plus the seven and a half here. This UCF team, I think it's been overrated all year long. Frankly, last year's undefeated UCF team, much better than this year's team. But they've managed to get some wins. Well, they win all the games and they cover in crazy manner. In particular, anyone who saw the they cover in crazy manner, like the Temple game, which is they had no business covering against Temple, RJ. That was a minor miracle that that happened so what's happening is that they have remained overrated based on this long winning streak i will take the non so so the theory is this sounds like a a 10 second handicap everyone knows they got zero losses and those have been batting them's been winning even though they don't deserve so thus they're overrated yes (laughs) all right yeah ken all right, first off, I've made a lot of money on Cincinnati. I had them as far as win total as well, and they've exceeded expectations big time. They got, you know, out of the gate slowly last week, didn't cover against South Florida, South Florida team that I don't put in the same category this year with Central Florida. Central Florida still has a better quarterback. Ritter's not bad for Cincinnati, and the kids stepped up in the opening game against UCLA and ended up becoming the starter. Michael Warren, a good, solid running back, and they've got some playmakers on defense as well. But I do like UCF's quarterback, Mackenzie Mill. And the guy's a stud. And here's the thing. Central Florida, during this winning streak, they've been in big games. They've been in many big games. There's been a target on them. And after they took out Auburn, there's been a target on them every single game this season. And the more it goes, somebody wants to be there to break that winning streak. Nobody's done it. Nobody's figured it out. Teams like Memphis have come close. But at the end of the day, Central Florida finds a way to get it done. Oh, and they're at home. They're also plus 40 in tackles for loss. People don't even look at their defense, but that could come into play because Cincinnati's offense is not that explosive. They'll do what they can. They'll try and muck it up there. Fez is on Cincinnati. Why? Because he's from Cincinnati. So he sees a chance for the Bearcats to be relevant in football. Look, I like what Fickle's done. I think maybe he's a guy that gets the Ohio State job down the line. We'll wait and see if they get a bigger name coach. He's done an outstanding job. But I think UCF takes care of business and they get an old by-the-way touchdown late to expand on a seven-point spread and win it by 14. All right, auto bet, auto bet. Anytime there's a crossfire, 200 smackaroonies. You know, son, I want action. I'm not happy. I hate losing. God, it's sick how much I hate it. But I'm going to, whoever Esler likes, I'm betting it. I don't know. Mackie and Sleepy did Esler's recording today. But whoever Esler has, I'm jumping on. Let's hear UCF Cincinnati. Here's the thing. For all the UCF playoff talk, they might not even win their own conference. With a loss here against the Bearcats, Cincinnati will win the AAC East. Last year, Cincinnati was crushed 
51 to 23, and it was actually worse. It was a rain-shortened game. UCF scored seven TDs and a field goal on eight possessions. Revenge angle here for sure. People think Milton and offense when they think UCF, but Cincinnati's defense, number two in the nation in opponents' completion percentage and their 14th in opponents' yards per rush. When Cincinnati has the ball, rushing offense, 23rd in the nation, 200-plus yards a game, UCF's rushing defense, and this surprised me, 101st in the nation. UCF's defense allowed 40 points to Temple, a team that Cincinnati held to 17 in regulation. UCF let Navy rush for 374 yards last week. And what I think is worse here is you know what Navy's going to do, and they still couldn't stop it. And I think they know what Cincinnati's going to do, and they won't be able to stop it. Cincinnati may win this game outright, but sure love in Cincinnati plus a touchdown. All right. Well, I'm riding with Dave. All right. What do you think, Brad? Uh, you know, I love the over. So I'm going to let you guys decide uh, as far as who wins that bet on the side, but I love the over. Make your case. Here's what I see. First and foremost, Cincinnati's defense. You know, I'll placate the both sides here. Cincinnati's defense is extremely overrated. Right now in the country, Cincinnati's top seven in scoring defense, top seven in total defense, but Cincinnati has only played one, one top 30 defense, or top 30 offense all season. And that was against Ohio. So what happened in the game? Ohio put up 30 points, 400 plus yards. The only legit offense they played, Ohio put up a ton of points on them. On the flip side, you're getting some value on UCF. Why their offense? Last couple games, couple of misleading lower scoring games. UCF a couple games ago didn't have their quarterback, Mackenzie Mellon. That's one of the most valuable players in all of college football. So instead of scoring 50 points, they only put 30 points up against East Carolina. And then last week, Navy. I mean, you, uh, Dave just mentioned it. And UCF couldn't stop Navy's offense. So what? When you don't stop the option, what happens? Uh, UCF's defense isn't on the their offense isn't on the field, so they're not scoring points because their defense can't stop the option. Those lower scoring, misleading finals in two of their last three games create some value on the over. I'm going over fifty nine and a half. Mm, now, do you, is there a correlation here? Ooh. One way or the other. Mm, I would say. If not, there's it, not. Yeah, I don't think there's a strong one, but it would lean towards the UC. A higher scoring game would lean more towards the UCF side. No question about it. Not, not even question. If the game's higher scoring, UCF wins this game by double digits. Recap. Brad Powers likes the over. Crossfire battle. Fezzik says Cincy plus seven and a half. Ken says Central Florida. Esler says Cincy. I'm riding with Esler. A victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. <laughs> Let's bring it home. Ken, you don't look happy with it. I'm very happy. In fact, if Hessler wants a piece of it, he can have it too. Text well, him. We don't cross it. We don't better uh, cross the legal. Lines. Oh, that's well. well I, he, I thought he's coming out here. I thought you yeah, said he's yeah, making he it is. out here. If he's yeah. not here right now, though. He's not hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> here's, a, here's the thing. I mean, like I said, I love the job that Cincinnati's done this year. But like Brad said, they haven't played any offenses outside of a Mac offense in Ohio. Couldn't stop him. Handicap's over, Ken. I'm good. <laughs> I, I I got I got Ken's my four hundred. I got my four hundred. <laughs> Ken's gonna keep going yeah, till he commences. Let's talk for a minute. We got a triple like. What are you doing, Fed? I'm looking at his color coded accounts over here. It's very impressive. <laughs> oh, that that's to remind him how good he is. He's looking at all his wins this year. Speaking that's of that, nice just stats. Next up, we got a triple like. But I want to tease ahead of the best bets. Fez this year, a NFL expert in college. Waters, six and four, 60% on his best bet. Take that every year. Ken Thompson, seven 
and two right here in front of the world, in front of hundreds of thousands Dream Preview listeners. Brad Powers, nine and two. This guy's red hot. Best bets from all of them. But I got a little something I want to talk to Brad about. Brad, pull up your email and do me a favor. We were getting ready for the Straight Out of Vegas show. Oh, here we go. And I said, I I said, (laughs) 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 we're going to do this on the radio tomorrow, too. This will be a good little practice. Now, have you ever heard, Fez, of a a dramatic reading? No. Okay. So what will happen is, and this is something a podcast I like, Solid Verbal does, they do it with drive charts. Like, they'll put music on, and it will be like, you know, like scary music, and it will be like, okay, Navy, punt, field goal, or uh, no, it'd be like punt, fourth down fail, punt, interception, and a half, you know, but they're doing it like, and a half, you know, like all affected, like how bad is this, right? I went, Brad, because here's what I did. I sent an email out prepping for the show. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, guys, I said, let's focus on your biggest, what you got right and what you got wrong. Colin does that. Weekly. Colin's right. Colin's right. I want to do it handicapping. As in, boy, I thought, I'll give you an example. Boy, I thought the Browns were in the toilet and weren't coming out. I really didn't. Obviously, they played. I mean, we could say Atlanta played it, but Cowboys, same thing. I thought they were done after the Tennessee game. We got it wrong. So I sent Brad the following (laughs) question. Now, if you would verbatim. I will. Now, you have an English degree, right? So you know verbatim. Yep. I want you to do a dramatic reading. Well, let me get you a little background music. I actually didn't have a single loser last week in college. I went 6-0 and on the lights on the podcast. Five did cover by double digits. I even cashed additional bets on the Straight Out of Vegas show, Tennessee and Ohio State. And on top of all of that, I cashed not a four-team, but a five-team money line parlay. I didn't have a loser last week, RJ, so how can I talk about my worst handicap? <laughs> That's what he wrote verbatim. I mean, couldn't you imagine... Him saying, hey, listen, this was rare. We know I got lucky because no matter how good you are, but I didn't have a loser. So you want me to dig into other? No, it was like, or he could have just said, you know, very flat and and with some irony, no losers can't do it. You know, have fun. Instead, he wrote like a resume of his weekend. I think he should do a special for Brad Powers. He's earned it. I mean, no, not after that. When that I does was, sound really when bad. When I was at Northwestern, we had one student that would ask, how'd you do on that test? And after he responded, I asked him back and he said, I achieved a perfect score. But at least that's the saint. If he would have went through and said, I got number one right, number two right, number three right, number four right. <laughs> So just to recap, Brad, what was your results? What was your total wins and losses? Just give me the straight number last week. Oh my goodness. That's too tough. That's too high to count. Uh, six, seven, eight. Did you count all five teams on the parlay? I, I just asked a simple question. Can you give me a simple answer? 14 and 0. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. One more time. 14 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I tell you this, you were hilarious in your dramatic reading, so all's forgiven. All right. (laughs) 
Triple like. Best bets coming up. Brad had a good week. I don't know if you heard. Syracuse, <laughs> Notre Dame. Notre Dame by 10. And we have a triple like. Holy camoli. It's a quadruple like. Esther also likes it. Fez, you start. Like the cues here, how can we go wrong fading number three undefeated Notre Dame, especially considering they've actually gone 1-0-1 against the spread the last two weeks, so the spreads on the Irish games just keep going higher. Well, I'm sorry, what's the number? 1-0-1. and one One winner and one tie. And that's affecting the spread? It is, because the spreads... In the Northwestern game, went up from nine to ten, and the Irish won by ten. Even though that was an inflated point spread, that was a minor miracle. Then they get Florida State at home in the cold, and you know how I like cold teams against teams in Florida, and they run up the score and cover. Now it's a bad spot. Now they got to go to Yankee Stadium, where there won't be as many Irish fans as there will be Syracuse fans, and an inflated point spread. I don't think they cover this ten. <laughs> but he got out before the good stuff, man. Gosh, dang it! But here's the thing: I'm not saying you're wrong with the handicap. I'm trying to understand how the one zero and one is inflating it. Well, the fact that Notre Dame, if they're seven and zero and undefeated. And you ask me, what's the chance that they're going to cover the next game? I'm going to say, RJ, less than 50% clearly. It's going to be almost impossible for them to put a point spread uh, winning streak together because they're already overrated. And basically, they've gone the last two games after starting 7-0 without losing a game against the spread. That's handicapping 101 for you. <laughs> One, maybe minus 101. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I guess what I'm saying is this. If you would have said... So I'm assuming they lost the game before you wouldn't have started the streak. There. Of course. Okay. So literally what you're saying is in the last three games, Notre Dame, if you had bet them, you would have won one, lost one and tied one. Yes. <laughs> but, but that is what you led your handicap with. Well, but it's the order that's important. If they had gone win, tie, loss, the spread isn't 10, but because they went lose, tie, win, the spread is 10. There's only one Steve Fazek. <laughs> I love you, Fazek. <laughs> I do. The, he believes yeah. it. That's what makes it awesome. If he yeah. was doing this as a as some kind of campy thing, all right, Brad, what do you think? Well, you're at least on the right. Funny if he goes, well, actually, he stole my lead. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you're on the right side. I'll give you that. Here's what I see matchup wise. I see Notre Dame has not faced a particular great set of offenses so far this season. And in particular, some slower paced offenses. I think Notre Dame's defense will struggle with the pace that Syracuse likes to play. Syracuse very up tempo, very fast paced. This is a Syracuse team that has put up a 50 spot five times this season. Only Alabama is the only other team in college football that can say that. And one more reason why I like Syracuse here, they have a very emotional head coach. And I thought this is the handicap you'd bring up, uh, Fez. You like Dino Babers, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, and you've seen a lot of his post-game speeches and all that. You've seen those. Yeah, right? they're hitting the ceiling celebrating. and So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that they get up for these games when they're a big dog because he's even mentioned the point spread in these post-game locker room speeches. And Syracuse 9-2 and two against the number as a dog. 3-0 and this year, 
cover, covered those three games this year by 20 points per game. Here's a team that plays with a chip on their shoulder in the underdog role. They'll do so here. I like Syracuse. Now, remember, guys, some listeners might say, wait a minute, Fez is saying Notre Dame's covering, kind of, and that means fade, fade them. Brad's saying Syracuse is covering. That means play on them. That's actually logical. The reason being, Notre Dame's a super popular team. When they're covering, it affirms the casual batter who likes to bet them anyway. With the Syracuse, unless the street gets so big that it's getting talked about everywhere, mm. it's a sign of value. And with the less popular teams, the market is slow to catch on to the value. That's a powerful point. Thank you. Thank you. This will be like as big as any Yankee game as far as the crowd. This will be a sellout. It's big time. I mean, and what people- do you think the split is? I would say 60-40 Notre Dame. Uh, I thought it probably could have been 80-20 Notre Dame had Syracuse struggled. But because Syracuse is playing well, look, there's alum for Syracuse, including a lot of broadcasters all around New York City, New Jersey area, and Yankee Stadium not too far away in the Bronx. Syracuse plus 13 in turnovers. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So Notre Dame better not make any mistakes. Also, quarterback Ian Book, he's back in there, but with sore ribs. He best be careful because Syracuse can bring some pressure and they're a team that doesn't turn it over much. They're also a team that we don't look at their defense. We think of Eric Dungy. We think of Mo Neal, their running back. And that's what we think of their, you know, their offense scoring points. But their defense is pretty good. And I think that Book's going to be probably handing the ball off a lot to Dexter Williams, Armstrong, Jones Jr. These guys are all going to get the ball. Again, clock keeps moving. That's cool when you have double digits. I think Syracuse not only has a chance to cover this game, (laughs) but I seriously think Syracuse can win this game outright. Oh, so Brad, we've got our bat, Notre Dame. Go ahead. Yeah, you let, sh- let me set the bat. Yeah. Notre Dame is a one-loss team. Do they get in or not? If they don't have one loss, we don't have a bet. If they have one loss, exactly, you bet me and Fez, giving us four to one. Mm-hmm. We say Notre Dame gets in the playoffs. You say no. Boy, it seems like you're chomping at the bit to say something. I, I think if you guys want to win that bet, This is the game Notre Dame needs to lose because Notre Dame can't lose that last game against USC. That would be a very bad taste and a lasting impression of Notre Dame as far as the committee goes. So if Notre Dame loses a close game... What do you think the USC line will be? uh, Notre Dame will probably be... It really depends on how bad USC looks this week. 7 to 10. So why would it be any different? Because if anything, Notre Dame's the... Or USC's the bigger name, so losing to them... Would seem more excuse. Yeah, but SC's five and five, and I got number twelve next to Syracuse's name this year. Recency bias also can't lose the last game. All right. So if Notre Dame loses here, do you like your bet? Ooh, I'm starting to get scared. (laughs) Especially if they turn right around and beat SC by 35. Mm, Not good. Oh, oh, you might want to hedge and put a little money on Syracuse on the money line here. That's the plan. (laughs) A lot depends on if Michigan beats Ohio State by double digits. They're getting in. I agree with you as far as, I mean, I would, and I have a smaller bet. These guys have 500. Remember, I only got the 100, but I would side with you if Michigan beats Ohio State by double digits and say Notre Dame loses a close one here I still think Michigan gets in if they run the table wow that's a debate we just keep having one loss Michigan one loss Notre Dame huh how wish they play wait they did play each other Notre Dame won but we're gonna vote Michigan in come on I can't even Fez what do you put the odds on on that scenario one of the two Notre Dame Michigan is going to be the fourth team. 
What do you put the odds Michigan gets to be as a one-loss team, and specifically if Notre Dame loses to Syracuse and beats SC? Notre Dame minus 170. Oh, wow. If Michigan beats Ohio State by double digits? Are you kidding me? I mean, now we're coming up with all kinds of... That's huge. But that's what I said. I said if Michigan takes care of business in the horseshoe handily, they're in. What do you think, Brent? I think uh, Michigan minus... 175 minus, no, minus 200, minus okay. 200. But what we can agree to is there's no scenario we're going to have a bad bat. No. We got you. You have a good this bat is, right now. This is what they call, you ever play uh, seven stud, eight or batter, Fez? I don't. Okay, but you know the concept, yes. right? Is there certain situations where you're either going to scoop the pot or it's going to be split, mm. all right? And because there's it's, it's a high-low game. Mm-hmm. We're in a situation, Fez, where there might be no bat, or we've got a good bat. Yeah, absolutely. Brad can't be in a good situation. He's hoping to tie. Absolutely. And, and, and frankly, the only way, well, the, the, the best way for Michigan to get in over Notre Dame, if it's like a five-way tie, and so there's a whole cluster of teams, and it doesn't just, with one loss, and so it doesn't just come down to a head-to-head. Yeah, but I, I think Oklahoma's out of it. I mean, you can't be winning a game on a two-point conversion against Army. Oh, well, yeah, but then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State. Yeah. and then saying this is one of the best teams in the country. And now, and now Texas is losing multiple games. Yep. So Oklahoma's out of it. Washington State's out of it. If it is Notre Dame with one loss. Don't forget about West Virginia. What's that scenario? They only have one loss. They can run the table. And they're going to be better in Notre Dame? They would get in as a as a conference champ over Notre Dame. Well, I, they, they I would know, beat Oklahoma but, 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 like know, twice in a row. But, yeah, but they, an Oklahoma team is not very good, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Now, here's what's interesting. So when you say twice in a row, what do you mean? Uh, they play Oklahoma in the finale, and there's uh, a and if good win, chance oh. that they'll play each other again in the next week in the Big 12 championship wow, game. Yeah, but what's the odds of that? Even if it's a, I mean, what's the line going to be in the finale? Uh, Oklahoma's at West Virginia. Oklahoma right now is like a three or four point road favorite. So if they lose that game, let's say it goes to three, so they'd be six in the conference championship. Oklahoma, you, yeah. you can give me West Virginia yeah. right now if they're if Oklahoma's a favorite at West Virginia. I'm on West Virginia all day. You can get that at Caesars right now. Okay, so yeah, early line. There's games of the year on it. Plus, so you got to wonder if Oklahoma loses that game, are they going to be flat in the Big Twelve? Because what are they playing for at that point? No, because they'll have revenge. I think it's <laughs> the revenge key back to back games. It's hard. Ask Georgia Auburn about that. Lines three, Oklahoma three at West Virginia. Ken might be taking off the rubber band. I'm, I'm definitely on West Virginia. There's no question about it. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, so let's... I still think you guys have a bad bet if Notre Dame loses the USC. That's where I'll be But you But you think at that point it's worse than four to one? See, that's the thing. And here's the point I would make. I don't think anything's gone particularly our way here, meaning it's not like, oh, they got these four breaks. This has gone the way... There hasn't been an inordinate number of teams losing. Clemson could have lost... That's true, right? We I may, I'll, I'll say I, right the now. I made the bet; it was a good, and bet. we've been so unlucky that USC <laughs> just bottomed out completely. Because we, we, I frankly was counting on an SC team being eight and two, and so if we 
lost that uh, game, okay, we could get in. But but really, we didn't expect Syracuse to be the. This is our chance. Yes, this is our chance. And you guys all like Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I liked them at the beginning of the year. They were one of my uh, dark horses on that side of Clemson's conference to finish second. Oh, okay. oh, they, well, they lose to Clemson. <laughs> look, the, look at their only loss, RJ. I mean, one of their two losses in Death Valley. Again, you would think Clemson's going to take them seriously because they beat them last year. They go into Clemson's house. Clemson's got revenge and Clemson barely beats them. And this is, you predicted what exactly? I said that Syracuse is, I, I think Syracuse can beat Notre Dame straight up. And you said Syracuse was a team you liked early in the season. Early on the season yeah. to, to finish second on, to Clemson. Out. Second let's to Clemson? Clemson? Second over to Clemson. Florida State. Over Florida State. Over Louisville. Oh, definitely College? over Louisville. Hold, hold on yes. a second. Let's start over. What was your general feelings about Syracuse starting the season? I thought that Syracuse could be legit. And the team that I thought that they would battle with for a second would be NC State. I thought that Ryan Finley was good enough to put up points. I'm not sold on Willie Taggart. I never have been. I know he did a good job years ago in South Florida, but that's about it. You got that big over five (laughs) ticket on Syracuse win total? I do have a no over win total on Syracuse. All right. I I, and and, And on the opening show, Brad, I said that they would win at least seven games. All right. Our opening show. I... Uh, it should be on our opening show if the, if you know if we talked win totals. I don't, I, I've said it on my show. People, oh, you can go. Show, listen, yeah, okay. just you can go back to you can go back eight months on my show, Sports X Radio. We believe you do. I'm we just saying. It. I mean, I, I do you hear him get. The, I have no reason to lie. Get the plug in. I think Dino Babers <laughs> like is one of the best coaches in college football. That's where I'm at. <laughs> you know what we got to do? We got to get a plug theme song for Ken when he plugs. The music will start. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's hear Astler making a four on Syracuse to win and give me a fat. You know what's a sign that, in a weird way, Brad's stubbornness might be his key to success? Because obviously he knows batting against me is not a good thing in the long term. But the idea that you and I, who disagree, Faz, very often, the idea that you came in after the fact and said, can I have some of that? It's like I would be scared you know, shitless. If someone, if I made a bet with Brad and then you came and went to be on Brad's side, but he just was like, nope, bring it on. And then Ken, Ken, who yeah, had, Ken came on on that bet. I mean, Ken, what's your best bet record here? Seven and two, but not as good as Brad's. Brad's nine and two. <laughs> yeah. What's the go, what? Go, rewind the show. What's the year? You know, Brad, uh, there's plus minus. There's there, there's oh! there's a poker lesson here where some players they put some money into the pot and they feel that they're pot committed. They can't just let it go. They're like, oh, I already put this much in. No, I no, no, it wasn't. It's his ego. Ego. It's how he got off the. It's farm. ego with that. I team. give him credit though. It's how he got off the farm. I mean, come on, go from a squint just a little bit at Brad. You could see him at a end of a bar. Hold on, you could see him at an end of a bar in. Uh, what was the big city that you grew up like the city that had like even have a bar? What was the closest? Oh, it was uh, Millbury. Right. It was called the pub. <laughs> Couldn't you see him hunched over yeah. at the end of the bar at the pub? But there was something with, with about, Barney Fife in but, Millbury. But, but he <laughs> he fought his way out. It, but that a, ego is what we're going to feast on in the years to come. You, now the years funny, to come. <laughs> Keyword years to come. Not maybe not this year. <laughs> the funny thing is. He doesn't get, Fez. He bet me Texas, Texas Tech for a nickel. It's supposed to be a no-vig line. He's taking two, or he's laying two, 
Lane 110. Well, you're a master which, negotiator. But, but what I'm saying is he took it, and now he's all happy, except when it went off at two, it was a bad bet, meaning he's supposed to get even money against me. He got plus 110. You can't say you're so sure of the bet. You don't care about the 10 cents. That's not the case. So you won, but I won. Long term, if we did that all day, who's going to win, Fez? You're going to win. Exactly. And also, it's like within the NFL. I can, I can submit Feasting. seven plays. And I am like, I, hey, I got an ego. I'm confident. Feasting. And RJ takes the button. He's like, uh, play number three, Fez. You're completely wrong. And literally, I walk out of here. And what do I do? I'm like, how do I play back on well, that you, sucker and get rid of it? But you've been losing a lot. So to you, maybe that's that. <laughs> Let's hear Ashley. Maybe the biggest game Saturday is Syracuse and Notre Dame. And here's why I like Syracuse. Notre Dame travel. Since they're by, they were at San Diego, which was against Navy, was technically a home game, which was also moved to prime time, something Notre Dame didn't anticipate. Then they're at Northwestern, obviously home last week. This game's in Yankee Stadium. It's also technically a home game. A lot of Notre Dame folks have been talking about this schedule for a long time. Is it a distraction? I think, yes, it is. Notre Dame's AD, quote, there's a perception that we made the Syracuse decision recently. The only decision we made recently was once we knew the Navy start time was whether to get out of the Syracuse game. Get out of the game? Who does that? Speaking of the schedule, Michigan win, great win for Notre Dame. Stanford at the time was ranked seventh. Stanford just beat Oregon State just to become bowl eligible. Virginia Tech was 24th when they played in Virginia Tech's a sub-500 team. So I look at this game. Was Book out last week making a difference this week? I think it is. His timing could be off. And Syracuse is fourth in the nation in first quarter points. So I like the orange in the first quarter. And don't forget, this is a Q's team that only lost to Clemson by four in Death Valley as a 24-point underdog. So in what's close to a home game for Syracuse, catching almost 10 points, I got to like the orange. Quadruple like on Syracuse. Any quick thoughts on any of Dave's points? I thought his handicap on Ian Book, the Notre Dame quarterback's timing being off, that is very strong. Uh, Ian Book's the most accurate passer in college football. 75% completion percentage off last week. Maybe a little bit banged off up. Off injured, right? Off injured. And it really d- depends a lot on timing. That's his precision passes. He's not a deep passer. So that's a very strong handicap by Dave. Yeah, I don't think that the travel comes into play. I mean, the one game. It does San Diego. next week when you're going all the way back across. Yeah, but they went LA. to Northwestern and then they went to South Bend. So that's no big deal. You're staying, you're two weeks in the same time zone. Okay, so Ken has to go in about 15 minutes for his local show on, uh, I don't know if you heard, Sports X Radio. It is actually extremely well regarded if you like the deep dives i mean it's there's no show as good with the deep dives into the games not the concepts as much you'll get into that but the games the players the matchups it's what he brings to the dream preview so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to put usc ucla next because he knows usc really well then he likes a game in the arizona washington state then three best bets so five games we've got 15 minutes, and then we'll have a couple games at the end. Sons, Ken, USC, UCLA, three and a half right now, USC favored. Whoever answers this, that's fine, but I want to know about the the location, how I know it's different venues, same city. I'd like to hear about home field. Kendo, let's start with you here. No, actually, let's have you counterpunch because, Brad, you like this game. 
Yeah, I like UCLA here, plus the points. And to me, I just think you got a toxic atmosphere at USC right now with Clay Hill. And after, specifically... Lame duck? Lame duck to me, especially with how the game went last week. SC's up 14 nothing against Cal. Okay, Helton, if he wins that game, beats UCLA, maybe he saves his job. But what does USC do? Completely collapse in the second half. Get outscored 15 nothing. Lose the first time in 15 years against Cal. I think Clay Helton's likely gone. On the flip side, there's some positive vibes around UCLA. They've been playing better as of late. Played very well against Arizona State last week. Only lost by three on the road. I think two programs, two teams heading in opposite directions. Give me UCLA plus three and a half. As far as the crowd real quick, uh, I don't award in this matchup always. Typically full home field. So instead of you know three, three and a half for UCLA, maybe it's two and a half or so for me. Ken. Here's the thing. I mean, if you watch the USC Cal game, you know how many open seats there were? Probably about 50,000. I mean, that's the bad thing. When you're playing at the Coliseum and you're not playing well, and you're the only game in town, well, you're not anymore because the Rams are back there. But you'll see the difference. You'll see a full Coliseum for that Rams-Chiefs game this Monday, but you will see this week, you'll see a lot more powder blue because UCLA is starting to get it under the Chip Kelly era, and they're starting to play with heart, where USC, like Brad talked about, they're just struggling. Now, if you look at their injury report, it looks like a mash unit. I mean, they have 15 players on there. And going into this game, Ware, Carr, and Malapai out of the backfield are all banged up. Pittman, doubtful as well as far as receiving-wise. They've already lost Hufanga and Gustin, two of their best tacklers, leading sack guy and leading tackler. So this SC team is a mash unit. And unfortunately for Helton, he doesn't carry a big stick. Despite winning 18 straight games at the Coliseum in his career, it doesn't matter. They're going to go for a big-name coach. Lynn Swan is the AD, and he will make that move. Trust me on that. I lean UCLA because they have momentum. They're fired up right now. They're playing well. Why don't well. you like it? Because it's still UCLA, a team that's still offensively challenged. They lost twenty a 31-28 game to Arizona State, a game that they could have won. They still don't know how to win consistently. And that's the thing. It's still at the Coliseum. It's you know, it's still USC on the helmets. It's still actually it's a Trojan on the helmets, but it's still USC as far as UCLA going in. And these kids are young. But I don't like it. I lean UCLA. All right. And maybe I misheard. This game is at the UCLA home, correct? Yeah, Rose Bowl. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking I that's my bad, guys. I'm thinking that it's at the uh, at the Coliseum. So forgive so me Ken, on that. That's Ken. It, what's amazing? The fact he knows like the third string tight end knows that we all have brain fart. Right? So wow. That's yeah. I mean, look, I even have it listed. Exactly. Yeah, on yeah, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So. But but when you were thinking about the handicap in your mind, you were thinking it was at UCLA. I, I t- obviously, no, this, I, I was not because I like UCLA oh. if they're if they're at home. Oh wow, okay. So you're saying considering it is at that home, even with the limited home field, doesn't matter. It, no, and it's not a limited home field with UC, UCLA. Will have fans. They will they will outnumber us. They would have had more fans at the Coliseum than they've ever had because USC is so down. RJ, the fans are so spoiled. USC fans. I've been going to SC games for 30 years. They are so spoiled that when SC is playing a team that's middle of the road Pac-12, even if SC is sitting at eight and one, there's going to be 60,000 and 60,000 in a 92,000 capacity place looks like it's half empty. If you saw the game last week against Cal, I'm telling you, there's 30,000 open seats. I've got friends that have season tickets that didn't even go to the game. Hmm. So that, that's, that was a fascinating kind of like the thinking of a handicap. And obviously a mistaken is assumption, but hearing how, yeah, forgive, okay, forgive me no, for no, that. No, I, mean, but, but, I mean, it was the last no, of the games. No, no, no. And, I, and that's the thing about taping on Tuesday. You haven't <laughs> lived with these games as much as we, you guys will have, because I don't really do the colleges as much. 
by even Thursday. It's like you've been you've looked at every game 30 times. It's right in the, the back of your mind. But all that said, it's fascinating. Oh, if this game were at USC, he was saying, oh, I think the line's about right. USC favored by three and a half. The fact that it's a flip, even if it's a five point flip, well, that's the value. Yep. So you got to actually. You I'm probably, definitely. You I'm definitely love on UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, right? I do. All right, so now like a double like emerging there, UCLA. All right, we got best bets in a minute. Last game before that, Arizona, Washington State. And you like this one, Ken. Washington State at home, favored by nine and a half. There's a thing. I'm thinking Arizona is a defense that's nowhere near what Cal is. And Cal went up to the Palouse and lost 1913. It was a game that I was on Wazoo, and I was very disappointed in the team. But they bounced back and took care of business in a big way. And Minshew just continues to play very well. He's a quarterback that doesn't get sacked. How about Wazoo? 30 sacks defense. They've only given up seven the whole year. I like the way they you know, spread the ball around. Petman, outstanding re, uh, receiver. Williams and Borgia out of the backfield. I've talked about those guys. Look, Arizona's off a of buy, and that's the only thing that concerns me. Khalil Tate's played much better. They're running the ball to J.J. Taylor. But Wazoo, I think, is going to slow down the run, force Tate to pass the ball. Look, he's coming off his best game, so it could be a high-scoring affair. But Arizona's prone to make mistakes. Wazoo right now has momentum. The Palouse is going to be jumping. Take the boys from the desert where it's nice and warm, bringing up where it's nice and cold up there in Pullman. And I think Arizona's in trouble weather-wise. Washington State, like, plus nine, or check that, minus nine and a half. Boy, Brad, I think I was pretty on. If I remember, you didn't like Washington State last week, and we talked about Leach, that kind of robotic offense being uh, not as susceptible to be flat spots. Have you? And again, one game, but have you reevaluated that? No, I went head to head with KT. He liked Colorado. I liked Washington State. That oh, was so, part of. That was, so, you so can we hit the music. It, we yeah. were on it together. Yeah, oh wait, we that was another winner. You're that right. was another winner last week. Two hundred dollar winner. Now, how much did I help? You helped a lot. <laughs> no, I appreciate it because you got inside info to that. That's what that I'm whole saying. coaching. So, thing. do you want to? I mean, you want to give me fifty dollars? No. <laughs> No. <laughs> Feast and Fez. All right, give me this one. Yeah, and I like Washington yeah. State as well here. And, and to me, what doesn't get enough, you know, credit is Washington State's defense, the offense, Gardner, Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, Mike Leach, the head coach. The offense gets all the headlines, but the defense is why Washington State's nine and one this year. I, I think if you'd ask, you know, a hundred people, hey, does Washington State have a top twenty defense? I would say a majority would say no. But that's where Washington State is, top twenty in the country. Now, is, total that count, defense. is that counting stats like yardage, or is it that's just yardage? Because if anything, Washington State's probably playing a faster pace than exactly McDade. playing a lot more higher scoring offenses. The Oregon's of the world in the Pac twelve that that's really impressive, and it's the best Washington State defense in fifteen years if you're counting total defense, scoring defense. That's quite impressive. And to me, why is this number kind of cheap? It's because of what Arizona has done the last couple of weeks. Dominant win over Oregon. Dominant win over Colorado. I think the duct tape shoes are saying, hey, the buy sign's finally on for Arizona. They're off a of buy. Undefeated pressure or at least big time pressure for Washington State here. Uh, I like Washington State. I think the number's a little cheap. All right. So Alabama, best team you've had in 10 years in your power rankings. Mm-hmm. Clemson, clearly in the second best, and it's not close. Then next is Michigan, correct? Yep. What would Michigan, Washington State on a neutral be? Michigan would be about a thirteen point favorite. Wow! Yeah, I would want Washington State. I, in fact, I would. Uh, that'd be one of my bigger bets of the year. Mm. What would you like there, Ken? I would probably take Washington State as well. Baz, 
This Washington State team is so hard for me to price with Leach. I think I'd pass. Like you have the last couple games. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Quick commercial. Back with Blossom. Best bets. We are happy to have Pluto TV joining the Dream Preview family. Leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels, thousands of movies on demand, free. F-R-E-E. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. It's easy, completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows, hit movies for free. That word keeps coming up, free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including colon, your phone, Roku, Amazon TV, Apple TV, smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. And finally, our old friend, True Car. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? Same question for invoice, list price, dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. You know what that means. If it's available in yours, take advantage. Risk. Think about it. As batters, it's something we assess all the time. Well, this is the business of Simply Safe Home Security. Think about all the things that can happen. A storm takes out your power. Simply Safe is ready. Intruder cuts your phone lines. Yep. Simply Safe is ready. A lot of you might think overkill. Don't worry about the risk. But think about what you're risking. Literally your home and your family and being ready for every worst case scenario. That's what makes Simply Safe's home security system so great. It's always ready. Now, what's the price, right? If it was hundreds of dollars a month, you'd be like, yeah, I want to be safe, but hey, hundreds of bucks is a lot of money. Well, no, they only charge you what's fair 24 seven professional security monitoring for less than $15 a month. Three Subway sandwiches. In fact, it's $14.99 only. And, well, what about five years from now when I, no, no contracts, no hidden fees. Anyone that asks, it's the only security system we recommend. Simply Safe. Go to simplysafe.com slash dream. D R E A M. That's simplysafe.com slash dream to protect your home and family today. And listen, if you're supporting the show and you're considering it, do it. You're risking the one month. Like we said, no contracts, no hidden fees. Simplysafe.com slash dream. Ooh, dog. Action, action, action. Best bets time. 
I don't know if you heard. Brad had a hell of a week. <laughs> <laughs> hell of a season so far. Let's do it. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go, Fez, go. Game 350. I'm on Maryland plus the now 14 for my best bet. It is all about good spot versus bad spot. Let's talk about the bad spot for your Buckeyes, RJ. They just played the Spartans and frankly, they blew out Sparty, but the game was closer than the final score would indicate. A lot of things went right for the Buckeyes, especially in field position in that game. And they got the Michigan showdown coming up next week. They're going to look past Maryland. Let's look at the Maryland team that has been distracted with all these scandals. But now the head coach that they did not want to have come back did not come back. So the players are excited and motivated to play hard. A little bit of a phony final score last week where they performed much better in the stats that they did on the scoreboard. I expect Maryland to keep this game close in a flat spot for your Buckeyes. So I'm seeing 14 and a halves out there. I'll Pinnacle. take it. Yeah, let's make it 14 and a half. That's, that's pretty consensus. It looks like it's 14 at the squares places. This is what weird. Pinnacle is at 14 and a half, but the square places are at 14, which assumes that the squares are betting Maryland. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Everybody's been betting Maryland. This spread was 17 just a day ago. Well, right now, go to pregame.com, hit the game center. 78% of the cash on Maryland. But 63% of the tickets on Ohio State. Like that. So this is a pros versus Joes. Fez, best bat with the pros. Can you like it too? I do too, yeah. And the thing is, it is it was deceiving. Look, Ohio State, you got to give special teams credit. I mean, Chrisman, nine punts, a 37.8 average for Ohio State. So you go, big deal. No, you had one punt out at the six, one at the four, one at the three, one at the two, and one at the one. That's five punts that they trapped Michigan State inside their six-yard line. That's why that game got away. Michigan State could not move the ball, and Ohio State's defense stepped up and kept them down in their own territory, and they took advantage of that field position. But Maryland is a team that, you know, they're still playing hard, and uh, they got a new quarterback now. It's their old quarterback, Tyrell Pilgrim, that will get the start over Kaysom Hill, who's out. And I think that uh, Maryland has enough offensively, and their place is going to be packed. Ohio State's coming in town. I just think they stay with inside two touchdowns for sure. So, Brad, you lean this way. Why not a like? Because uh, Maryland's quarterback's out. Kaysom Hill's been mainly the starter for most of the season. Now, Pegram's got more experience than your typical backup because Maryland, for the last three or four years, has had to use three or four quarterbacks every single year due to injury. And as far as the downgrade, about a point and a half. So not your typical major downgrade going from a starter to a backup here, but it is one nonetheless. So that's why it's only lean. And, you know, watching the Buckeyes the last couple of weeks, and they haven't been dominating, but they, in my opinion, they've been improving. There's some things. They've worked clearly worked on the running game during the bye week, put up well over 200 yards against Nebraska. Mike Weber last week got over 100 yards against the number one rushing defense in the country, Michigan State. I think the Buckeyes are trending actually up, and that's why I like them last week, another winner. That's Brad Powers. I'm RJ Bell. We got Ken Thompson's best bet, then Brad's, then a few bonus games, and then Esler's. Let's go. It's Nebraska, Michigan State. Michigan State on the road, favored by two and a half. 
Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to look good in Nebraska. I like the way the team's playing under Scott Frost. And now they have momentum that they've won three games, three of their last four, playing good, solid football. And uh, they're going to go in and take on a Michigan State team that they know has trouble moving the football. And it doesn't matter which quarterback they've gone with. Lewerke came back in last week, struggled. So they went back to Lombardi. Lombardi's not an accurate thrower. He got away with some things in the in the uh, win when he came in in relief. But last week, couldn't help out at all. And again, I just think that they're in a lot of trouble against a Nebraska team that has never lost the crowd. Look, they knew it's one of their own coming back from winning a national title. They wanted him coming in from Central Florida to take over his alma mater. They got him. They gave him a mulligan. Now, after some tough losses early, he's got the team playing well, teams focused in, and the future appears to be bright for Nebraska football, and they'll continue winning ways right now. Uh, This week when they take on Michigan State, they'll win this game, I'm pretty sure, by seven or more. And best bat from Ken Thompson. Brad, you like it too. We talked about it on the weekend straight out of Vegas before we went weekdays. Uh, Frost, I felt like last year, coaching Central Florida in their bowl game was going to build him equity, where a lot of people thought otherwise. Even with a slow start, it seems like, uh, to quote George H.W. Bush, he stayed the course, it seems Mm. like. Yeah, that's a great point there. And I think a lot of first-year coaches, we've seen some, like Willie Taggart of Florida State, kind of lose their team after a slow start. Not the case here with Nebraska. Started off 0-6. Scott Frost didn't lose the team. In fact, the team continues to get better. How about this? Nebraska's offense at historical performance performances here. Last seven games for Nebraska's offense, they've topped at least 450 yards in every game. That's the first time Nebraska's ever done that. Not the Tommy Frazier Nebraska teams. Not Turner Gill and Mike Rogier, Scott Frost at quarterback. None of those teams could do what this Nebraska's team has done offensively. So it's an offense that's humming. And obviously Nebraska's three and seven. People see that. But they've lost four games by five points or less. 0-4 in those uh, single possession games. They're much better than their record indicates. Love the Huskers here. Brad likes Nebraska. Best bet from Ken. Fast. Like Nebraska as well. Don't, don't tell me about the 0-5 Nebraska when they're struggling with Scott Frost. They weren't playing that well and they lost some close games. Let's talk about the last five games. They're 3-2. and two. What are their two losses? Oh, they lost to the Big Ten East possible champion Ohio State in Columbus. Got away with words. In a close game. <laughs> well, they lost to a premium team in Ohio State. And their other loss was to the Big Ten West champion Northwestern, who's Ass they kicked the entire game. That was a that wasn't a misleading final. That was a travesty that Nebraska lost that game because they clobbered Northwestern. This team is playing at a very high level. Best bet, like like Nebraska, finally on best bets, except for Essler. So not finally. You know, it could have been finally, but uh, not. Uh, mm, mm, oh oh, how'd that sound fast? Similar to when I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> real, real quick though, Brad, is how have you done on your best bet so far? Nine and two. Nine and zero oh when I'm not taking a double digit favor, uh, double digit underdog. <laughs> you know I vetoed that. You got it in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see you two do a pod. You know, completely separate from me and how quick it would be before the, the careers were in shatters. You know, it's like, can you believe that Brad said <laughs> under a harvest moon when playing a team that does not have a picture of an animal on their helmets on an odd date? I am documented 14 and two doesn't end with an ass. Go, Brad. 
Yeah, I'm going a little bit off the radar here. Let's take Minnesota plus two and a half against Northwestern. To me, it's all about one team in Minnesota that has everything to play for. Minnesota, we talked about it earlier in the show, is a team sitting on five wins, has a chance with a win here to get to a bowl game. That would be progress in the second year under their head coach, P.J. Fleck. On the flip side, what in the hell does Northwestern have to play for? Their goals are set. Matched last week. They won the Big Ten West for the first time. It doesn't matter what happens in this game. They are going to the Big Ten championship game. And as a Northwestern, you know it, Fez. Are they going to handle success well in this case? I don't know. We've never seen it before. I know RJ's going to say, but is it priced into the number? I think it is by about a half point. But I don't think it's being properly priced into the number. This could be a three-point, four-point, five-point type of factor in this one. And on the top of that, we saw a Minnesota team last week had their best by far performance of the season. Typically, I'd like to fade that team. They just had their best performance of the season. I, I want to play against that. But in that game, schematically differences, they fired their defensive coordinator, hired a new one, and P.J. Fleck called it sound, simple, and fast, and that's what it showed on the television watching that defense fly around the football. And finally, why I like Minnesota, it's my best bet, Minnesota's got the youngest roster in the country. More than 50% of the, their entire roster are freshmen. So to me, it's no surprise Minnesota plays much better at home. They're outscoring their opponents by 15 points per game at home, away from home, getting outscored by 23 points per game. All those factors are pointing toward Minnesota. Forget the two and a half. I'll, I'll play KT here. Minnesota wins outright over Northwestern. Best bet. We got a shooter. That was a handicap. Fez, you got the Coast app? I I mean, this isn't a, t- a trick question. Yes, I have the okay. co-step. Uh, I think based on the pregame screen, Northwestern's uh, or Minnesota's plus three, minus 120. Yes. You want to check that real quick? I can't get in because I had my birthday and they locked me out. I haven't gone over there. So you don't have the app that works. I don't have a working app for the All next right, well, two days. Do you drive in by any coast or can you do it? With- I can make that happen. What? Give me a give me a dime down if I can get plus three minus one twenty. That was a hell of a hand. You like that, Ken? I love it. I, I think and, and the quarterback situation as well for Minnesota has changed. And you have one of the best motivators. I think we all remember him at Western Michigan, PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck is going to have this team fired up and ready. And again, Northwestern, they've exceeded expectations. I love their coach Pat Fitzgerald as well. But Fleck will have these guys ready. And with Peters at quarterback, they're playing great ball. And think about Northwestern. They're at Iowa. They're not supposed to win this game. This is like unlikely and if the, it, it's for all the marbles basically and they win this game all of a sudden boom it's over and, we've and won me, the, it's the, the northwestern's West. probably been talked about more in the media this week than the whole season combined yep. and this is the week they they aren't motivated but how many people are really thinking about that you're getting uh, you know 20 percent of the squares batting them because oh look they're the division champs yep and they're hardly laying three mm-hmm. or n- most places they're not mm-hmm. old statement this game's going to close Minnesota favored. Well, I love it, especially if you get me down to three. <laughs> Text off that execution order, buddy. You got it. All right. No, no. Confirm. If you can't get it, you can't get it. But I, let me know. Uh, yeah. All right. Brad, I'm backing you up, baby. Thank you. Ken? I agree, Brad. I'm backing no, no. you up. I'm taking. Uh, no, I was saying thank you. We've okay. got a couple games, but I know you got to run. Ken Thompson, great stuff again. I mean, you know, he doesn't talk about it as much, but he is... Seven and two. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. We got a couple games and then Asler. With a- My driver's license is waiting for me. I can 
get my apps all ready to go. What does that have to do? I'm confused. When apparently in Nevada, you have to have a valid driver's license. So when your license needs to be re-upped like every what? It's like eight years, isn't it? Whatever it is, I was expiring. So I just went into DMV a couple weeks ago and it just came in the mail. But why does that have anything to do with the app? Because I had my birthday already. And so now they don't have on file me having a valid driver's so license. They actually, and they actually locked wow, me out of all of my apps for everyone Ooh. in Nevada that's playing. You need to have a valid driver's license for them to accept bets. Wowza. You know, we haven't used it yet. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't either. Huh. I don't think my light. I mean, I think it's like eight years or something. It's a long time. They must not have done that way before. All right. Couple games in the Nestler. Stanford, Cal. Doesn't look like we have much here. Brad, give me a you lean. Let's go a quick overview, but then Fez has a derivative bet. Yeah, I'm going to lean with Stanford here minus the two. You know, it's Cal. Can they handle their business? Because last week, very emotional win for them. They broke a 14-game losing streak, Cal did, against USC. Celebrated big time. And on top of that, clinched a bowl berth. Cal, I think you're coming. I know it's a big game. It's a rivalry game. But can you go to the 11 on the speaker two games in a row? I don't think they can here. For that reason, I lean Stanford. That is derivative. I'm on the derivative. You know, David Shaw... In his post-game interviews, he talks about this. They, they say, well, you know, why do you take the ball when you win the coin flip? I love questions like that. And, and, he, and he actually said, you know, I love just setting the tone. We get the ball, ball control, and we set the tone for the game. Basically, he is saying in every one of his games, look to play the first quarter under because you're going to get a whole lot of rushing in that first quarter. I'm going to stay true to that and play this first quarter. I expect the number to be 10. Probably have to lay about minus twenty. So what's your buy price? Under 10, lay minus 135. Okay. You like that, Brad? I do. Speaking of that, Alabama, they got, is there, what's the line? I haven't even seen <laughs> The Citadel. It'll be in the 50s. Okay. Do you believe in that first, you think they'll even put a first half lineup? Mm. I th- why not take some action on it? It'll be. Uh, why not? Because books yeah, are. That's true. Bookies are bad and scared and not real smart. That's why. That's true. Take the game line and subtract, what, what do you think, 13? All right. So. Speaking of that, I actually got a story about uh, a nightmare scenario with the bookies here at the very end. All right, next game, West Virginia, Okie State. West Virginia favored by four and a half on the road. Fez passes. Brad, you just got to lean. Yeah, I'm going to lean Oklahoma State. And to me, it's more of a fade against West Virginia on the road. How about these home away splits for West Virginia this year? At home, West Virginia, dominant. Outscored their opponents by 31 points per game, plus 250 yards per game. Away from home, less than an average team. Actually, West Virginia getting outscored away from home by a couple of points and nearly outgained by 100 yards per game. Those difference between the home and away splits has me leaning on Oklahoma State. Okay. You know, I heard someone... Oh, go ahead, Fred. Yeah, I actually lean to Oklahoma State, although I did not put it in my notes. And pursuant to what it's Brad... It's like Brad in the NFL. Similar. You heard Brad? Very, <laughs> very, 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 very similar. But if you read my notes, it's clear that I certainly do lean I, this I way. I see your notes. It says pass in all <laughs> So we have the Brad special from Fez, which is pass. But hey, Brad was pretty smart there. So lean... Okie State. The thing that that someone mentioned, I can't remember who exactly. They said Okie State is has higher highs and lower lows, uh, lower lows than most teams, like the Steelers, 
where their motivation ebbs and flows. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would, particularly this year. Not a lot of consistency. Losing by four touchdowns to Texas Tech at home. Beating Boise State by four touchdowns at home. Nearly beating Oklahoma outright on the road as a three-touchdown underdog. Very high-variance team this year. Now, under that theory, are they up or down for this game? And that's why it's only a lean and not a like. That's my number one question. How do you how do you pick yourself up? You're one play away from getting one of your biggest wins ever. Three touchdown underdog at Oklahoma. All you have to do is kick an extra point or make a two-point conversion, and you win that game. That's my concern for Oklahoma State. All right, Dave Esler. Oh, go ahead, Fess. And that's why I passed the game, the devastating loss to Oklahoma where they could have had it. It's a bad spot. Well, you, you didn't pass. It, I, le- I lean still to Oklahoma State because of the travel. So he's got it on record either way. However it goes, he's I like it. No, the, I'm against West Virginia because of the travel. Fourth long road trip the last seven weeks here where they have to travel all the way to the Midwest, and they've got Oklahoma on deck. So just for the record. Did you pass this or lean? I leaned to Oklahoma State in a last-minute change. <laughs> that made it all worth it. <laughs> all right, Esler with his best bet. It's on Iowa State, Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas <laughs> Lane. I was at the airport when I was watching the end of that game. Texas Lane 3. Let's listen in. Best bet, Iowa State plus three at Texas. A bet against Texas last week that almost blew a 17-point lead at Tech. You're welcome, Brad. If Tech had any semblance of a defense, they would have blown it. I think that game was mentally taxing for Texas, or at the very least, far more taxing than the energy ISU had to expend to beat Baylor. And speaking of energy, Tom Herman is going to be answering questions all week, not about football. Zach Smith allegations on Twitter, Herman's own indiscretions. That's got to be a takeaway from preparation. Texas, some of the same handicap as last week after the Sooners win, Lost to Oak State, lost to West Virginia, could have lost last week. Iowa State, since Purdy came in, he's 5-0. and Yes, I know Montgomery is suspended for the first half, but Montgomery wasn't doing a whole lot until Purdy came in and opened up the offense. Iowa State's defense, allowing 20 points per game and playing in the Big 12, that's a big deal. I think Iowa gets it done in Texas. Iowa State, plus three, best bet. Fez, would you say Brad's been pretty, I mean, haughty? Pretty like kind of the cock of the walk today. Yeah, cocky was the word that jumped into my mind, but it certainly <laughs> deserved considering it went 14 and oh. So, Brad, cocky Brad, here's what I suggest. You lean taxes. I suggest, hold on. I suggest we, we don't have to do a nickel. Let's just do 200, but I suggest you up it to like, I'll back Dave, and there you go. Ain't going to happen. Why? 200, if you, well, hold on. By definition, a lean means you think it has better than 50% chance to win, correct? Yep. All right. And at even money, if you have a 51% chance to win, do you win? All right. We'll do it for the podcast. Yes. Yeah, we'll do it. What do you mean for the podcast? It's not for the pod. It's yeah. our betting. Yeah. What, do, what do you mean? What did you mean by that? I meant I'll do it for the for the show, the entertainment oh, podcast. Oh, so this oh is yeah, that's money. Th- this is you, wait, this is you hedging, saying if yeah. you lose, you're going to say, well, I didn't really like it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ooh, you went on it, Fez? No, I'm going to pass. <laughs> or do you lean? I'll get back to it. 
<laughs> Make your case, though, why you just bet 200 on Texas. Yeah, I've, Iowa State's running back, Montgomery, by far their best running back, suspended for the first half. <laughs> Dave mentioned they didn't extend Iowa State a lot of effort last week. Well, they extended a lot of effort. They were in a fisticuffs with Baylor at the end of the game. 20, 30 players were fighting at the end of the game, and it was a misleading one. Iowa State played right to the final score, and the line was right around two touchdowns. That's what Iowa State won by, but... Baylor outgained them by 150 yards, missed two really short field goals, stopped inside Iowa State's 15-yard line, not once, but twice. Here's why it wasn't originally a like for me. I am a little concerned about Texas's energy level. Six straight games decided by seven points or less. That's what Texas has played the last six weeks, so that's the concern. Lean Texas, but I'll bet RJ for 200. All right, guys. Listen, Brad is hot. Check him out on Twitter at Brad Power Seven, P O W E R S. So it's Brad Power Seven, the number. He had more than seven wins last week without a loss. You might have heard Fezzik at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K. Most important of all, at RJ in Vegas. Talk to you at the NFL tomorrow. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.